Welcome to the Elijah Rising podcast. Elijah Rising is an organization empowering women recovering from sexual exploitation. This episode is going to help you become more aware about the issue of sex trafficking and inspire you to take action. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Adam, and today I'm joined by Joe Madison. Hey, Adam. Joe is the executive director of Demand Disruption, a Houston-based nonprofit that fights the demand for sex trafficking by eliminating buyer motivation and reducing access to the exploited. Welcome, Joe. Thank you. It's awesome to be back. So happy to have you here. Today on the Elijah Rising podcast, we're asking the question, and this, let me just say, this is a question our organization gets all the time, and I know you guys do too, so that's why we're asking it. And it's sometimes articulated in different ways, but kind of the most frequent way is like, if we know where all of these brothels are, why can't we just shut them down? And so that's where we're going to go on the podcast today. But I have to ask a question before the question. You were on, I think, the second episode of the Elijah Rising podcast first guest as i like to the call very it. first guest that's right all right you do you do remain uh with that honor <laughs> and that be, title black here i think <laughs> <laughs> the uh the 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 uh, the joe madison podcast maybe that will change the name <laughs> but uh you know when you were on it before you were representing a different organization uh can you can you help our listeners and viewers understand what happened yeah there wasn't some scandal where i got fired or something <laughs> actually wasn't a different organization but That's it was right. a different name uh the purpose was the same yeah uh you know adam love people not pixels has a heritage really going back of bringing awareness of really the damage that pornography in our culture causes yeah. individuals families and we're extremely proud of that but sure over the course of, of us developing our programs, bringing on volunteers, our defenders, we just continually became a disruptive force addressing demand. It became more than just a, like an anti-porn organization. That's right. You were doing a lot more. Yeah. That's right. It went from awareness to preparedness. That was really mm-hmm. our goal is to well, say, so. okay, yes, we know this is happening, but here's how we can equip our families. Here's how we can, we can go and partner with somebody that might be struggling. And, and more than that, here's how we can take back some of that territory in our, in our, in our communities yeah. and get to work. And what we found was that um, our defenders changed our name long before we did the logo and all that. Like they got to work, they disrupted demand, yeah. and we had about a short list of about twelve or thirteen names. Got it down to five or six. And and a story. Th- this part of the story I love. Our organization name and our tagline were actually two separate options for our name. Oh, interesting. But they finished first and second. Yeah. And so demand disruption with our tagline is love, disrupt, defend. Love it. And those are really the three imperatives. That's what we call our defenders to do. That's yeah. what we, the standard that we hold ourselves to. And we believe that's the combination of how we will disrupt demand in Houston. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I love the tagline. Yeah. I love the whole rebranding. The Thank new you. logo, too. I told you the other day when you all <laughs> launched, I was like, man, that, that logo, I love the logo. Um, and, too. of course, you guys have been, you're the same organization, and you're just calling it what it is now. I mean, so that yeah. that's, sounds like that was the goal. and We had um, to play some catch-up. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. You know, and a brand, you know, a brand, a rebranding is not an easy thing to do, but, you know, watching you guys and partnering, I mean, we talk pretty often. It looks like you guys have done it very well. And thank you. Um, it really does capture the essence of what the organization is all about. I appreciate and what, that. What the defenders are doing. Um, so let's, 
so again, we're asking the question like, what about these brothels? Why can't we shut them down? What's the problem? But let's set the context first. Um, so help our audience understand, like, does Houston have an IMB let me back up, uh, an illicit massage business. We'll refer to those as IMBs. That's kind of the colloquial term that we use for these uh, brothels, uh, illicit massage businesses. Does Houston have an IMB problem? And if so, uh, how do we know that we have a problem? Yeah, yeah, it's it, it's a question that we have to start at. Like fundamentally, mm-hmm. what are we seeing on a day-to-day basis? What are we seeing regularly? And I yeah. think it's important to answer that question first with, not just Houston. Uh, okay. you know, in many ways, America is the number one consumer of illicit sex. Yeah, we have quite a bit of demand in our country. Yeah, and uh, I mean, one of the the things that we refer to every year when it comes out is uh, Polaris's report. The tip report. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Their 2019 report was a, ni- a very concise way of giving a snapshot across the nation of, of how many brothels there are, yeah. how many IMBs. We'll use those words interchangeably yeah, as we yeah. go. Um, and, and there are a number of cities that have a problem. And so Houston definitely um, has a, a quite a few. Yeah. And, and, and what we realize is we've got to apply the same innovative approach that Houston has for every other part of, of, of fighting human trafficking. Yeah, yeah. We, through a necessity, have become really a global leader, an international leader in how we approach this from municipality yeah, to right. law enforcement to NGOs. And, and just, you know, just that partnership uh, is capable of attacking really any part of this cycle. And IMBs are in our crosshairs next. Yeah, one of the things we like to say here, my colleague Sam actually coined this, but I, I steal it and use it all the time. It's like, you know, we often get the question or, you know, or we hear the statement, you know, Houston's the number one city in the nation for trafficking. Yeah. And whether or not that's true or not, and the tip report's a great place to go find out if that's true this year, last year, or whatever. But, you know, one of the things we like to say at Elijah Rising is, Sure, that might be the case, but what we believe and what we're working towards and what we're fighting for, and I know this is true of demand disruption, is we believe that Houston could be the number one city in the nation for solutions to ending sex trafficking. Um, and it, and that sounds like it sounds like you agree with that. I agree with that, <laughs> and I would zoom that in one notch further because yeah. what we say is uh, when we present to groups, oftentimes it takes a little while for them to to understand our our approach sure. because we're working with buyers. Yeah. We're working with, they're the problem. They're why we have trafficking. Mm. They're the, why, why are we spending any time on them? Throw them all in jail. Yeah. And, and again, I, I'm not judgmental of that perspective. I'm a father. I'm a husband. I, I've got a daughter. Yeah. I've got sisters. But if, if men are the problem, then that tells me that men have the most immediate potential mm. impact sure. to be the solution. Yeah. And if we change those buyers' hearts, then we do disrupt that whole cycle. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, we do have a problem in Houston in, in a number of ways, just like we do around the country. But we've also got um, we, we've got so many uh, resources that sure. if, we, if we bring to bear, we will be the model for how to change this. And, and that's really our whole approach. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's happening too. I mean, if, if you're listening, I mean, we do have listeners and viewers that are not in Houston, not in Texas. I mean, what Joe's saying there, we did not plan for this, but I think it's important <laughs> to say, you know, yeah. we have colleagues in other states even that we talk with. I, I think of, you know, our, our friend Adrian with Rescue America, and he says all the time, he's in Colorado, and he's like, man, what's happening in Houston is like, is so unique in the nation right now because yeah. we're so blessed to have this like just really seamless working relationship between our NGOs, but also our municipality and our law enforcement is involved and, yeah. uh, and the church, 
uh, and I know you guys yes. work work with the church um, as as well as Elijah Rising. Let's talk though um, about how this type of trafficking works. Right, Traffic, trafficking yeah. takes many forms. Um, it has different uh, ways it exploits individuals. You might say different business models, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Um, if we're going to talk about it in economic um, terms. So specifically with IMBs, with these brothels, like how does this type of trafficking work and who is being trafficked in these locations? Yeah, so great questions, and they have to go hand in hand mm-hmm. when we ask them because you, you use the, uh, the term business model. Yeah. And I know that when you're in this industry long enough or really for 10 seconds, somebody's going to say, cycle or supply and demand. We're right. going to commoditize the language. Yeah. And it's not through any level of insensitivity. It, right. It's how this industry treats human beings. It's how traffickers see it. That's exactly right. It's a business. It's That's supply right. and a demand situation. And yeah. we have to understand the way they think. It's like Sun Tzu art of war. Know your enemy, right? Yeah. Get, understand the way that, that, that thought process is so that you can intercede in an effective way. So as we talk about um, looking at the landscape these are outlets. Yeah. These are the conversion of the activity that exploits people. Right. And as such, they're essentially retail outlets. They're places for people to go yeah. to convert on uh, purchasing illicit sex. And so this is a very interesting way of, of seeing this, this crossover to our culture and to the illicit commercial sex industry. Because massage businesses, uh, you were talking about how we're, we're seeing this, this, this collaboration and effort here in Houston. Mm-hmm. And then I think we're in this transition stage where just as a nation and as a world, human trafficking, every year as we have another iteration uh, of, of different effective approaches, right. we're able to look at it a different way and we learn more. Well, IMBs are no different. I, yeah. th- I think we're seeing municipalities that are realizing, oh, it's not somewhere, it's here. Yeah, right. Wait, we have three of them in our town. So we right. go and we talk to... Uh, these local these local stakeholders, municipalities, small businesses, churches, and we bring it right to their doorstep and say, "Here are specific reviews in your right. town of these places." Right, they're here. They are. That's exactly right. And and when we do that, we're able to then not make it someone else's problem. Sure. So yes, uh, <laughs> their business model is one of of just like every other exploitation. Yeah, it's forced fraud and coercion. Mm. The women, the people that are exploited. We're not inventing anything new here. They're yeah. just putting a different label on it and doing it in a different way. Yeah. The the um, the engagement changes right. because it's in what is what has the guise of a reputable business, and so the women who are exploited in these places, um, and and these places, I'll refine that just a little further. Sure. Uh, the work that we've done is to identify illicit massage businesses, suspected illicit massage businesses, right. and as we identify them. We find that the people who are often exploited in there, and, and there's no there's no absolutes in this, but for the most part, they're Asian women. Yeah. Um, whether it's uh, Chinese, Korean, they're they're Asian women. They're exploited usually in their 30s, maybe 40s, um, and they got there in the same way many people do in this mm. this this entire uh, again back to a business model. It's forced fraud and coercion. Right. Right. Um, we also delineate. Other parts of these outlets, these these outlets like uh, um, cantinas, yeah, yeah, as you're very familiar with on yeah. the Elijah Rising Van Tour. Uh, when we talk to people on this van tour, we tell them, "Look, there's IMBs, which we're looking at now, and cantinas have a very different way of doing business, but right. 
same end result. Yeah, it's still force fraud and coercion of a vulnerable population, right? right? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely right. Yeah, and so, I mean, that is... Um, so I guess maybe it's important, I'm realizing now that maybe it's important to say like, well then, you're talking about these IMBs like being businesses in cities, towns, municipalities, right? How, if it's if it's such an illegal activity, like how are they operating? Like how do, how do you have a business that's in a storefront that's selling humans? How does that work? Yeah, and I ask that very same question um, whenever we would get, when we do the van tour, people always ask those two questions. Right. I could shut up right now and you would say them verbatim the way I'm going to say it. Sure. If we know where they are, why don't we shut them down, which yeah. we're dealing with right now. And the second is, won't they just pop back up somewhere else? Yeah, yeah. And and when we recognize that those are just eternal questions, we have to look at why is that? So we've done that. We've yeah. actually taken a very close look at how one of these places can get a permit yeah. and open up as a massage business yeah. and either retrofit or obfuscate their illegal activity. And it's actually not that, it's, it's not that intricate. What we realize is they have a plan. And yeah. that plan is a business model that they, they go into places, um, suburbs. Oftentimes, yeah. we're seeing more and more growth into the suburbs, not just inner city. And they follow a game plan every time. So you're saying, though, that like they're, they're opening up a legitimate business. And the way they're doing that is getting a license to be a massage parlor or like a foot reflexology yeah. or nail salon. Yeah, or the, like best, the best thing, I, when I tell people I'm presenting to, we're actually going to go to a city today after this podcast tonight and present to their city council and talk to them about it. And what, what happens is just like any business, you go in, uh, you fill out your permit, you pay your fee, you're zoned to that part of the city that right. allows that business, whether it's massage or what have you. And 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 a lot of the the charters for these cities were written years ago. Yeah. There yeah. isn't a consideration for the massage industry. And right. Why would there be, right? Right. Our job when we elect officials isn't to point the finger at them. It's yeah. to show up on Mondays when they have their their meetings and say, This is a concern and here's why. Right. So what we did is we looked at what are the operational and physical characteristics of these places? And we made a list. And we cross-referenced that with other lists that exist. I mean, we didn't even have to create it. Um, we, we added some from Polaris's list, some from our sure. own, some from our experience in working with these places. That checklist, then we bring that to these cities and say, this is how these places operate. Yeah. What about a conditional use permit? What about, what about having, when somebody comes in and signs up and wants to open a business that's supposed to be legitimate, have them agree to no blacked out windows, no buzzer controlled mm. doors, uh, you know, right on down the line. And what we find are two things. One, that protects the legitimate massage businesses in that town. Yeah, right. That's important yeah. because they are, they're, they're important contributors to the tax base. Right. They provide health and wellness. We want massage envies everywhere. That's right. We want that. <laughs> right. we, want, we want elements massage. We want these that are right, reputable. Right, right. And ones that keep a license. Yeah. And the licensed therapist is on site when right. the work is done. It's legitimate. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. And so yeah. this this is one of those things that we've done. And we've now had six cities, just leadership cities, that have said, that makes sense to us. Uh, Pearland was first. Yeah. Then Meadows Place. Laporte. You name it, right on down the line. Fort Bend County. Rhonda Kirkendall is, she's a defender in Fort Bend County. Mm-hmm. And... And she has just gotten on fire for bringing this to different cities in Fort Bend County. Yeah. And so we're working shoulder to shoulder. And that's that's really all it takes is yeah. to understand that there is a way to keep them from popping back up if they open up again. Yeah. Well, we're going to take a break in the podcast. And we'll be back in just a minute and continue our conversation with Joe Madison of Demand Disruption. 
Four years ago, we started making candles in my kitchen because we had a dream to empower women recovering from sex trafficking. After years of growing, changing, and perfecting what we truly believe to be the perfect candle, we now sell goods across the country that empower women who are recovering from sex trafficking. And we want you to help us so that we can give more jobs to women that are in our program. Go to shop.elijahrising.org and you can see some of the most amazing goods you've ever tried, as well as empower the next woman to have a future after sex trafficking. Hey, welcome back. Uh, so Joe, let's just, I, I want to, we kind of already touched on this, but I want, I do want to ask the question directly and rearticulate it. If we know where these brothels mm-hmm. are, Elijah rising knows we, we show them on the van tour. Yeah. You guys know a uh, couple of agencies ourselves included. We, we, we share a map of these so that we can collectively work on the problem together. We know where the majority of these places are. We know where these brothels are and we know through our experience and years of work on the ground, what's happening inside of them. We know yeah. the question we get from the public all the time is that's awesome then why don't you shut them down? Why doesn't law enforcement do something about this? Why doesn't law enforcement shut them down? Why doesn't agencies like yourself shut them down? Why can't we stop this? So that's the question I want you to answer. (laughs) Yeah. uh, I'm looking down because I'm thinking about a conversation I had the other day that I'll I'll, I'll probably get to. I'll fold it in. But it it was right to the heart of this. Yeah. And it was with uh, a city councilman. Mm. And he was asking the same, very same question. When we look at this, we have intel, and we know it's illegal. Yeah. Well, that's an easy equation. That's it, right? Get to work, police. What are you doing, right? Yeah. It's just not that easy because the fact of the matter is we talked about how these places obfuscate their, their illegal activity from a permitting and licensing perspective. Right. They do the same thing in-house. Um, and and when, we, when we look at a total, our, on our map that we developed, we've counted 361 illicit massage, suspected illicit massage businesses in the Houston area based right. on reviews. When you look at Harris County and you look at HPD, the incredible work they do, the reversals, the, they don't call them reversals anymore. They don't call them stings anymore. These are buyer suppression activities. Yeah. And they are very systematic about how they do it. There's maybe a total of 20 of them doing this work. 20 officers in how many brothels? Uh, 361. Yeah. And that's not even including all of the other ways that trafficking is manifesting in our city. That's just one very narrow business model Correct. if you want to use that language and 20 some odd officers so. Correct. And, and and the challenge there is is obvious numeric, but it's also it, it, there's a systematic way that these places behave. Even if we went in, kicked the door in and there was an illegal act happening right, right. then and there, um, they would fire that woman on the spot. They would say, "Oh, we had no idea she was doing that." Yeah. Get out. Oh, she's a contractor. She's not an employee. They have these 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 layers, these air gaps that they rely on so that the people that get arrested are the women. And this is a perfect opportunity to talk about how our law enforcement has continually led um, really the nation in mm-hmm. mindset. We were just on a call yesterday with Hatcher, the Human Trafficking, Human Trafficking Rescue Alliance, who we partner with. Um, you know, just the work that they do now when a, when a woman is arrested, it is focused on getting her services, yeah. getting her help, yeah. connecting her with Elijah Rising, with yeah. another NGO, somebody in the stage that she's in to get help. Yeah. And so that really, if we were to do more brothel operations or IMBs to, to try to shut them down, um, that would be probably the, the main yield. You don't yeah. typically get traffickers in this operation. Right, so right. Police, from a budgetary and from a uh, really a, a human resource perspective, they're just outnumbered. 
but they have strategic approaches. Sure. And when we partner with them, some incredible things happen. Um, I'll give you a quick story. Yeah. The first time I was ever in an IMB working on something like this, um, we were partnering with Harris County, with Hatra. It was this joint operation. And uh, <laughs> we're in the back of an illicit massage business that was shut down previously. They slapped this tarp up there and said, mm. now open mm-hmm. and put some fake ads online. 12 minutes is how long it took. This place was closed for four months. It took 12 minutes for us to have our first customer because these fake ads online, wow. it is a sales process. Right. Somebody's clicking on a porn site. And, yeah. and whenever they're processing these men, they ask them, how did you find out about yeah. this place? Yeah. And they will tell you, well, I was online. I was online. They see that, and then they see webcam, local girls, and then you click that, and that takes you right into yeah. how to find an outlet. Yeah. Uh, and that's what these places operate as. Yeah. And the tragedy there is that law enforcement can set that up. They can do a great job of having arrests, but if we're not prosecuting in some of our counties as vigorously as we could, yeah. uh, and they do a great job, and again, there's a number of limitations to this, but if we're doing that, we will see results. Montgomery County is a shining example of that. Mm. They do such a great job of having these men arrested, having them uh, face the penalties, be convicted, but then get help. Yeah, And that's really where these buyers, m- a lot of them come from these illicit massage business operations. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, um, it's a mix, right? Like law enforcement's doing their part, and, and we've worked really hard in this city to bring law enforcement up to speed and partner with them and bring the awareness and the education to get to the point to where we are proud to say in the city of Houston, the majority of the time, um, the women are seen as victims of this industry and not perpetrators of it. And, yeah, and that's not true for, everywhere in the U.S. And that is not yeah. true everywhere. It's not. Um, and, and we've worked really hard at that. Um, and then also the fact that I, I just, just to brag on Houston a little bit more, I didn't plan on doing that on this episode, <laughs> but like air it out. But you know, to have resources and services for the buyers, mm-hmm. um, you could probably speak to this, but like, I'm not sure that exists in very many places where law enforcement will actually uh, give them an option. And I'm kind of, I'm, I'm kind of promoting demand disruption now. Give them an option to go through a program to actually get restorative care. Yeah, right. Yeah, I yeah. mean, which is what you guys are doing. That's one of your programs. It's one of the things that you're doing. Um, and so we're seeing a lot of inroads. And so I think it's a fair question for a citizen to say, why can't we do more? Yeah, that's fair. And, and maybe that's the right question to ask if you've it got is. the kicked in the gut feeling and you're experiencing the issue for the first time. Why not ask, why can't we do more? I can tell you that's exactly why this program exists. Yeah. Because, you know, when my wife and I volunteered for the Elijah Rising Van Tour. We became Van Tour drivers, and we got that question over and over. And then I got more involved, and I started working with, with uh, different organizations, and then uh, where I am now, that haunted me, because our answer was to these questions was, well, there's a vice hotline. Yeah. You see something, say something, that kind of thing. Uh, and while that was the best we could do at the time, it wasn't enough. It was not enough. And, and I, there was a crystallizing moment when it came to these IMBs, and it was the Robot Sex Broth on 2018. I know y'all remember that because we partnered. Uh, David you know, Gamboa right David, there. David Gamboa. <laughs> he went and testified before city council. Yep. I went and testified before Harris County, yep. the commissioner's court. We, we brought to them our industry knowledge of really, this isn't just this. Isn't just this. It's more than that. Yeah. And, and that type of awareness really shook the city. People showed up in heavy numbers. We saw ordinance changes in less than three weeks. That does not happen. It made national headlines. It made national headlines. It was it was actually global. It was international. It was. Yeah, we, that's right. We picked up a story in Canada and yeah. Japan. Yeah. Um, 
the reason I bring that up is because while that was a victory, we had our team meeting about three days later, and we're, we're, we're talking, and I just told the guys, I was like, we did the, we collectively, not, yeah, not sure. us, not you. We just changed the ordinances so that somebody can't go and rent a robot for sex. There are still over 300 illicit massage business outlets yeah. for illicit sex every day, and with human beings inside, they're being exploited. Yeah. We got to do more. Yeah, that's gotta, and that's really where that came from. So if we don't ask the questions like, why don't they shut them down? Why do they pop back up? Yeah. Well, then we can't hold the public accountable when we have a way for them to say, wait, what if you could? Yeah, that's right. That's right. We all have a place in this fight, don't we? We do. Um, sometimes in this work, it feels like we talk about problems a lot. Mm-hmm. It's a big issue. There's a lot of contributing factors. Um, and sometimes I feel like we can communicate the problem again and again and again. Um, and so I want to make space here to, to ask the question, like, has there been any success like in the work to shut down these brothels, keep them from popping up again? I mean, you've mentioned a couple of counties that are nearby Houston. Um, but I just want to ask a question, like, has there been any success uh, in this work to shut them down? I think to answer that question, and I know I'm, I don't mean to be cryptic, we have to define what success is. Oh, no, that's a good answer. We've yeah. got to step back and go, well, what is successful? Getting it shuttered? Well, it, yes and no, depending on how that happened. I'll give you a perfect example. One of the things I'm most proud of when we get to, when we are meeting and we're all sharing the same space, which hasn't happened in quite a while, yeah. is when we have people interested in Avantour, we talk to them about Elijah Rising's corporate headquarters, former corporate headquarters, and it's part of the story. 5818 Southwest Freeway. Ding. That's right. It, but, uh, you know, it's... It, the reason we bring that in is because that place was formerly an illicit place. It was a, it was a brothel. Yeah, Angela's Women Day Spa. Women were being exploited. Angela's Day Spa is exactly right. Uh, and that became Elijah Ryden's corporate headquarters. Now, that's the success. Yeah. However, that's not repeatable. Yeah, it's so true. It, it's it, not repeatable. And I wouldn't suggest... Yeah. Just, <laughs> like, you there was probably a lot don't want to go through the process. <laughs> there was a lot of fire that went into getting that done. Yeah. But it's not something you're going to put on a blueprint and say, okay, citizens, yeah. let's and, go And it's a, really, it's a really cool story to be like, hey, yeah, like, you know, we're an anti-trafficking organization. We got this brothel shut down and now we work out of the brothel. But, like, I don't recommend working out of a brothel. It, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, it was not a fun place to be, even when there was an illicit activity yeah. be, going on inside, right? It's fair point yeah <laughs> it, it was it is a testimony though of what's possible yeah we no, ask those tough questions yeah and so success to us looks like this um if we shut it down did we do the work to get help for the survivors inside yeah it's got to be the number one question that's right? exactly it yeah, that's our yeah. driving force you know we've had people say hey are y'all launching this thing yet and we'll say well this program has been in development for a very long time i mean i this is just something that i've been working on for now over two years yeah and the reason is because if we shut it down and we just put a little check mark on that map, we haven't really served that survivor. Yeah. And they're going to be exploited somewhere else. Yeah. There'll be another outlet to have them be moved to. So success looks like this to us. It is a community that is aware and engaged. It is a, 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 just an army of NGOs that work with law enforcement, with local municipalities um, to, to really put together these stages of support. Yeah. So if we go to shut one down and we've got these great intervention, interventionists, friends, people that we're friends with that go in and, and really talk to these girls, yeah. and pray with them, minister them, show them love. Then when it's time to shut them down, we transition them to get some legal services. We transition them to short term yeah. uh, housing, some evaluative care, Yeah. just yeah. the basics that they so richly deserve and yeah. have been deprived of for so long. 
that's successful to us. So when we say, has it been successful? I'd say, yes, it's happened in some ways. And, and you know, sure. we've had our, our own success with shutting some down. But we've got to do it in a way that sees the whole picture. Yeah, it's so good, Joe. It's so good. Like the continuum of care has to be really well established. Um, which, again, to brag on Houston a little bit, I mean, we've been doing this for 10 years, nearly 10 years here at Elijah Rising. But like when we started, you know, there was only one restorative care, <laughs> a long term restorative care home. Yeah. You know what I mean? Now we've got numerous. Elijah Rising has one, you know, and there's so many others. Like we could run down the list. Yeah. Uh, you know, demand disruption being on the scene now and focusing on dem- the disruption of demand. You know yeah. what I mean? Like in the early days, that nobody was even doing that. I mean, <laughs> you know, you had individuals yeah. that were working with people, of course, but like, the establishment of a continuum of care for the buyer and and the one who's being exploited, I think what I hear you saying like has to be in place it, it must. if we're going to talk about the word success. It must. Go back to the two questions. If we know where they are, why don't we shut them down? Mm. That means there's activity going on. If we shut them down, won't they pop back up? That mm. means that there is a climate that is conducive to popping back up. Yeah, yeah. And we have to address both of those. Yeah. And when we do that from a demand perspective and an exploited survivor overcomer perspective, we're able to we're able to really affect the cycle. Yeah. Now we take that that term that gets is cold and and you know, it's usually used in some sort of accounting equation. Yeah. We take this supply and demand and the cycle, we break it. We break it and we repeat it. Yeah. Not, this, is, this will mean nothing if we only can do it once. We're designing it in a way. Um, my, my vision is this. As we design this, it's a template. Hmm. So somebody in Detroit, Michigan can hear about it and see it. And that person has a three to five person team. And that team can follow a clear set of steps. Yeah. And in those steps, make sure that they never set foot in, nor do they even contact the people who are in charge of the place. They don't need to. They follow the steps that keep it safe, and it's a repeatable process. Hmm. L.A., Detroit, Denver, you name it, wherever that is, a way where we can, the people, take some of this territory back safely. Yeah. And then equip law enforcement to do what they're designed to do. Yeah. They're designed to be reactive in a way that will shut these places down, get some services for others. But we have a responsibility as a community as well. And we hope to really engage people and equip them to to own up to that responsibility. Yeah. The the next question I had planned for the the interview here is like what then is the solution? Like how can we shut them down? Yeah. Um and, 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 I'll, and I'll leave that question open to you. But one thing you've said a couple of times, I think, is like, I, I think you've hinted at is you keep referring to like citizens, like like an atmosphere conducive to reopening or like having a citizenry that cares or like is aware of it. Like, I, 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 I think I keep hearing you say like there is a there is a place for the citizens of sure. any location where this is a problem which we know that's everywhere yeah. it's in your city if you think it's not just you know <laughs> contact us I'll go, yeah let us know um, <laughs> we'll help yeah. you out there but um it's like maybe the solution is a grassroots movement of concerned citizens who say, no, not in my city mm-hmm. or maybe, I mean, that, that's probably just one part of the solution, but like, so what is it? What's the solution? Uh, there are a few things that I'm very tempted to say because I'm, I get fired up about this. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. But I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to approach it like this. The solution is number one, you know, anytime you have, whether it's a pandemic or a huge problem, the first, first step to solving it is agreeing that we have one. Yeah. 
Yeah, you have to admit that there is one. We have to realize it is in our communities. And when we do, we, we realize that uh, pornography, uh, different uh, these sexual industries play a role into that stair step that brings somebody to buy another human being right. in a massage business, on a street corner, whatever. Right. When we realize that, then we realize that we're not as helpless as we think we may be. You want to change the world? Don't talk to me about changing the world. You change the conversation you have at a table, yeah. in your family, in your, your friend groups, on social media, in your church, in, in your workplace. You change that conversation, yeah. and then you replicate that. Yeah. And that's really how we beat this thing. We, we equip citizens in a way where they safely can let their voice be heard. We don't want that in our town. And right. do it discreetly. And, and, and this program is developed with law enforcement, with legal advice, with, with people in the medical community, people that were nonprofit NGOs. We, we tried to come from a perspective of how can someone follow the process and notify uh, local mm. law enforcement? Because really, this isn't something where just the police get involved. Right. We talked before about when they pop back up. When you change an ordinance with a conditional use permit, guess what? That doesn't cost a taxpayer another dollar. Why? Because every day in these businesses, just like every other, you've got a health inspector walking That's in. That's right. You've got TDLR for licensing. You've got a fire marshal. You've got just concerned citizens that that door is locked, but it's known that that is not allowed in the city. Right. And then they notify somebody. And at that point, that is a nuisance abatement. That is actionable intel that the police can show up and go, hey, uh, this is, or local city, co- we already are paying taxes for people to walk in and out of these buildings. Yeah, that's right, yeah. We just are creating a checklist to identify these people for what they are. And yeah. again, legitimate massage businesses, they have told us they love this. They show up at city sure. council with us and say, I don't want another phone call asking about what my girls look like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's keeping it very clean. Yeah, They absolutely. shouldn't have to deal with that. Yeah, yeah. If you're watching this at YouTube or, you know, and, and you are a legitimate massage business owner, we'd love to hear from you too. Absolutely. Like if you, if you're echoing, you know, what Joe is saying, like, yeah, man, like we want some of those things. Feel free to comment and let us know what you think or ask questions. You can actually email Defender. There you uh, go. You can email me directly. Uh, you can go to our website and click our information page. That'd be the best way to do it because that brings it all together. Yeah, yeah. The reason, uh, thank you for that. Yeah. Because I, I fail to mention that sometimes. But when we did this in, in Pearland, one of the one of the most uh, compelling voices was an owner there, Letty Lair. She, there you she go. owned Elements Massage. And she would have guys come in and walk back out. Yeah. Try to look in the back and walk back out. And you you shouldn't have to t- tolerate that should yeah. be a business in an or in a, in a, in a community. No kidding. Well, Joe, I want to thank you for your work. Uh, I'm always impressed by, um, just your, your, uh, tenacity, your passion and your, your work ethic is unlike <laughs> I, I've seen in many places. And, um, uh, we just appreciate you and we appreciate you taking the time to share, uh, with us today and answer these questions. Um, so I, I do want to just kind of at the end of the podcast here, just kind of give you the space to yeah. talk about demand disruption, anything you've got, have got going on, anything you think that we didn't cover the question I didn't ask that you think is important to kind of state. Uh, and I want you to, you know, take the opportunity to tell the listeners Thank and you. viewers, um, you know, how we can support demand disruption right I, now. I very much appreciate that, Adam. I'll make it quick. You, you don't believe me, I know. We've done enough of these to know that. <laughs> Joe and I talk often. We, you know. <laughs> yeah, quick is not my strength. Um, when we look at exploitation, it doesn't just happen someday. I say that a lot. But the fact of the matter is it happens on a timeline That's right. of exploitation, whether it's an eight- or nine-year-old seeing pornography for the first time, 
whether it's it's a girl being exploited at 13, 14 years old, whatever that is. And as we look at that timeline and we're mindful of how we can address points on that timeline, mm-hmm. that's where we need defenders. That's where we need people to say, I want to help there. Yeah. And this is also an open invitation to those that might be struggling. If you're struggling, because in our culture, we're not going to throw a lot of statistics at you. That's another podcast. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is we live in a hypersexualized culture that says, sure, if you want it, go get it. Yeah. And, and we've got to realize that that is not the way it has to be. What it is to be a man in our culture and what it is to be a woman in our culture, there are two answers. There's what culture wants to sell you something, and there is the one where it's closer to, to how you see yourself and your own integrity and, and beliefs. So if you're struggling at all and you want some help, uh, please reach out to us. Go to our website. Go in. Ask for help. And then finally, we'll be launching a few programs coming up. I'm very excited about one called the Church Body Project. Yeah. It is, it is an opportunity to, to engage courageous churches that are saying, we realize that this doesn't stop at the door. We know that people are struggling in our churches, and we also know that we have people who want to help those who are struggling. That's right. And for, for churches to step up and do that, they are a sleeping giant in this fight, and they will, they will absolutely tip the scales. And then finally, our How to Shut Down a Brothel uh, program, it's twofold. It's proactive, like we talked about, changing local ordinances. If your city, if you wonder if your city has a massage ordinance, something that mm-hmm. would protect them from, from these businesses moving in, and you don't know, Go to our website, go to our information page, ask us. We will, we will reply directly to you. And just like, just like Rhonda, just like Mike Steele, just like people throughout uh, the greater Houston area, we will show you exactly how to engage with your, your local municipalities yeah. and get these ordinances changed. Yeah. And then finally, reactively, we will be launching the How to Shut Down a Brothel program. Uh, our goal is in the next 60 to 90 days. Wow, okay. And it will be a step-by-step program on how the community can take back this this territory and get help for those that are being exploited inside. Yeah. Where can people find you if they want to reach out? Uh, check out our Facebook page, Demand Disruption. We are on Instagram as well. Uh, our new website, it is not really... It works as a as a how to uh, list. <laughs> okay. You go, you drop down, you click on that. You're going to see exactly how you can get involved Great. in what we're doing, and that's demanddisruption.org. Perfect, Joe. Thanks for being with us again awesome. on the podcast. Thank you, Adam. And, thank you for uh, everything y'all do. Well, thank you for everything you do. Our organizations work very closely together, and I'm so proud of that. <laughs> uh, and so I'll think up something else to get you back on the podcast to talk about soon. Come on, let's do it. All right, thanks, man. Thank y'all. Thank you for joining us today for this episode. If you were inspired by this content today, please share, rate, and leave a review. Also, please consider making a donation at elijahrising.org donate. Your support helps us continue the vital mission to combat sex trafficking. Until next time.